why don't we go ahead and get started? So if we could all find a seat and get kind of quiet, we can get started. Um, because we've got short, shortened time. And the topic is how to study the Bible. So we're going to do that in 30 minutes. Because, you know, it's just a piece of literature. We, we can handle that. Uh, yeah. let, let me give you just a little bit of background of who I am. I, my name is Denny Davis. Um, Ted and I, my husband, have been here since 1992. Like many of you, the military brought us, and God kept us. Um, <laughs> thinking about, we never anticipated retiring in Leavenworth, but I'm glad we did um, for many reasons. Um, I'm a retired special ed teacher, and right now I work as a volunteer at a place called Avenue of Life in Kansas City, uh, babysit grandkids. We have three children, all grown, all married. Two, one lives in Houston with three kids. My oldest granddaughter is 18. And one lives in Little Rock with two kids. And then my youngest and his two little ones live in Overland Park and I get to babysit. So that's my life and that's who I am. While Ted was in the Army, we always attended military chapels until we actually got out of the Army. And I spent probably every Tuesday morning in most places, Wednesday morning depending on where we were, in Protestant Women of the Chapel teaching Bible studies, reading, doing Bible studies. I love scripture, and I hope you will too before we finish. Um, a few weeks ago, Casey Robinson, our pastor, spoke about the fact that we need to get to know the real Jesus. The problem is there's a lot of fake Jesuses out there. There's a lot of, this is what Jesus says, when that's not really what he said. The only way we will know that is if we are in the Word of God. There are many ways to study the scripture. We're gonna look at one that kind of would be universal for just about any place in the Bible that you would wanna study. So let's get started. Does anyone know who Carmen is? Ever heard the word Carmen? Who is Carmen? Yes, yes. When my kids were growing up, when I was a young Christian, incidentally, it's almost 50 years since I accepted Christ, um, Carmen was a favorite in our house because for one thing, he told stories with his songs. And there was one that has stuck in my mind, one of the verses has stuck in my mind for years. And so I thought, well, might as well drag it up out of the, you know, out of the midst of my life. This one's called God, God, God. He says, a couple of young men came to my door today while I was frying eggs in my kitchen. See, he tells a story. They looked so sincere with their white shirts and ties as they tried to sell me their religion. We talked for a while as my eggs got cold about what their faith believes. They said they were convinced by what they'd been taught that God's just an exalted man like you and me. Although the book says he is spirit, their hearts refused to hear it. They proceeded to tell me he's got hair, and in, Daniel's got, and in Daniel, God's fingers wrote on the wall, and his watchful eye is everywhere. I said, hey, keep to your scriptures until you understand completely these verses that you're picking. The psalm says he'll protect you with his feathers and his wings, but that don't mean that God's a great big chicken. That's the thing that stuck with me for years. And I said, don't you see? You have missed just who Jesus Christ said that he is? Well, he's the Lord, he's Jehovah. He's the I am, like he said. 
and he proved his own divinity when he rose up from the dead. He's Messiah, Emmanuel, and if that don't pass the test, the book of John says he's the word of God come, home, come in the flesh. Well, he's the author of salvation, and he leaves no room, room to guess. He's the Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. He's the first, and he's the last. So if you're still confused, I've no words left to waste. He told you he was God, God, God. Now I really rest my case. The only way to know who Jesus is is to know our scripture, to get into them. So let's get started. There are five ways, I think, to interact with the Bible, at least five ways that I've seen. There are many, but the five big ones. The first one is a quiet time, where we look at short passages. Um, hopefully, we're doing it consecutively, like picking a, verse, a chapter out of a book out of the Bible, starting from verse one and going all the way through to the end. Maybe it's a, I used to teach a seven minute quiet time where we're looking at some small piece of scripture and how it can relate to us. That is one way to interact, and that's an important way. Another way is to memorize scripture. This one's hard for me. Um, my sister and her husband used to, uh, used to work in a church in Denver. Their pastor had memorized the entire Bible. You know, I have trouble memorizing my home address. <laughs> and these days I have trouble remembering my own name sometimes. Um, but to memorize scripture, short verses, chapters, books, or the entire thing if you are of a mind. The next one is to read the Bible using a Bible reading plan. How many of you have ever tried to read through scripture in a year? How many got through January? <laughs> um, I recommend highly, I used to, I've used this for many years, it's called the Daily Walk. It's, it's put out by an organization called Walk Through the Bible Ministries. And you can buy a Bible, or you can buy these, these little magazines that come once a week, once a month, and it takes you through the scripture from January all the way through to uh, December. So you know in June you're going to be reading Psalms. You know in, in uh, September you start reading the gospel. The thing I like about it is that it gives some really neat little tips and trips. This is my newest one. I haven't opened it yet. Um, little things, inf information, background information. Plus there's also some way to apply it. So it's called the daily walk. Great way to read through scripture because there's a plan, but there's also kind of a roadmap. Another way is to read a book as if you were reading a novel. Have you ever picked up the Bible and just read through the book of Esther? The book of Ruth? If you're gonna do that, the best way to do it is purchase a Bible that doesn't have the verse numbers in it. You know, they didn't write those with verses and chapters. And sometimes when you read through them, you're going, that's an odd place that they broke that up. How bizarre was that? But we didn't do it, so, you know, we have to live with what they gave us. But there are Bibles that you can buy that they do have the chapter numbers, but they don't have the verse numbers. So it's really easy to read it as if it were a novel. The fifth way is to study a book of the Bible, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a method, because there are plenty of methods. But before that, I want us to just kind of get an overview of the scripture. What is this book that we read? So let's just go through some basics quickly. Number one, it's made up of 66 books. 66 books written by at least 35 different authors. Now think about that because there is a symmetry 
and a consistency in 66 books written by 35 authors. I dare you to ask anyone, five people who witnessed something, to come up with five consistent accounts. I mean, think about your own kids. Something happened, the lamp broke. I bet there's a different, different story from each child as to how that lamp got broken, okay? But this is consistent. There are two sections, we know that, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament has 39 books, the New Testament has 27 books. Not only that, there are eight main categories of literature in the scripture. Did you ever think about that? Psalms is written very differently from the letter to the Ephesians. I can, if you want me to, if you ever want, if you want this, let me know and I'll email you this if you want to get this down. Because like I said, unfortunately we have to move along. Okay, in the Old Testament, just a review, starts with creation, Adam and Eve's sin and fall, God's promise of a savior in Genesis 3.15. Are you aware of the fact that Jesus appears in Genesis 3.15? Um, I've got that in a minute and I'll read it to you. God's interaction with his people, the Jewish nation, the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And then we have the New Testament. Jesus, his life, ministry, fulfillment of prophecy, death and resurrection, Acts, which is the history of the early church, the letters, which explain who Christ is and how we are to live, and finally, Revelation, which deals with Christ's return. So the entire Bible is about Jesus from the Old Testament, Genesis 3.15, in the garden, through to the very end of Revelation. In a way, you can kind of look at it like this. The Old Testament is focusing on God and his prophecy of the Messiah. The New Testament, we've got now um, the first four Gospels. Jesus is the star. Oh, he's always the star. But I mean, he comes forward into this great play that God has laid out for us. And then Jesus is um, crucified, buried, raised, is raised again. He sends into heaven. And the rest of that, the rest of the book, is focused on the Holy Spirit and his work. That's the whole scripture but we've got to be able to understand it. This is the Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This was God's promise of a savior from the very beginning. This was right after Adam and Eve had sinned and God had handed down the punishments, the, the consequences of that sin. And right there he talks about Jesus. And Christ is in throughout the Old Testament. You know, looking for him in the Old Testament is like a mystery. Where do I see Jesus in this passage? Psalm 22. How many of you, have, are you familiar with Psalm 22? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You remember those words? Those are from Psalm 22. This, is, this was written between 10... 1010 BC and 938 BC. So over a thousand years before Jesus Christ was born, these words were written. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, wax. it is melted within my breast. 
My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Four dogs, en four dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. What is this? Of what? The crucifixion. Over a thousand years. Look how detailed. And it was even before they knew what crucifixion was. The Psalms were written probably while they were in Babylonian captivity. Rome did, was nothing. It, there was no Roman Empire. There was no crucifixion. And yet look how detailed this was. I mean, when we... When um, the speakers today, both of them, they, both, they, all they talked about trusting God. We have to know who that God is that we can trust. And look, look what we can trust. Yeah. Isaiah 53, 2, 9. For he grew up before him as a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and, at, and one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Again, this was written in about 681 BC. A good 600 years before Christ was born. Again, he was pierced for us. I won't read the rest of it. Um, so studying the Bible, it's easy to study the, the New Testament, isn't it? I mean, the Gospels, we get to know who Jesus is. We read the letters. Oh, they're wonderful. And then there's the Old Testament. Ezekiel. Have you ever tried to read Ezekiel? With the wings and the eyes and the things, and, and you're going, oh, I don't understand that. There's a purpose for that, though. All of the Old Testament leads up to who Jesus is. And there, there are hints throughout the Old Testament of who is coming. And the, the fun thing is, he's promised, he's promised to come back. So he came once, and it was fulfilled. And he will be back. Let's just look quickly at the Old Testament. It's made up of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Also called the Torah, which is what the, the Jewish people um, look at. Then history, Joshua through Esther. All of these are history, the history of the Jewish people. Poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. And then we have the prophets, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, called major only because they're long. It's not because they're any better than the others. And then the minor prophets, all the way through Malachi, and that is Malachi, not Malachi, I once heard it called that. I think that's funny. Okay, that's the Old Testament. So as you're reading prophecy, that's going to be a little bit different than reading through the Psalms. When you read Proverbs, 
That's not a guarantee. It is not a guarantee that if you train up a child in the way he should go when he was old, he will not stray from it. We all know that's not a guarantee because some of us has ki have kids that have strayed and hopefully they will not. They will come back, but there are no guarantees. The New Testament, the first four books of the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus, told by people who were there with him. And then the history, the Acts. Acts, uh, some people call it Acts of the, the Apostles. Um, it's, I've also seen it called Acts of the Holy Spirit. This is from the time of Jesus' ascension and the beginning of the first century church. Our, the church's history is in the book of Acts. Then we have all of the letters, beginning with Romans all the way through Revelation, although I've also seen that Revelation separated out as prophecy because it is that, but it was also a letter, letters to the churches from various authors. Okay, so that's a background, a quick one. Now we're gonna look at a method to study. And I'm gonna, if you will send these down the row. There are, lots, there are lots of ways to study the scriptures. You can, um, if you've ever studied, uh, done a Bible study, you may have had a book. There, is, there was a writer named Warren Wiersbe. I don't even know if he's still alive yet, uh, right now, but he's published a whole bunch of studies that he often titled Be Something, Be Rich, which is the, a study of Ephesians. Be Wise, which is the study of uh, 1 Corinthians, I think. Uh, be Joyful, what do you think that's a study of? If you hear the word joy, what book in the Bible do we think of? Philippians. And we'll talk Psalms too, absolutely. Um, there are all kinds of study guides that you can come to. There's a, something called Bible Study Fellowship. Um, many, many ways to study the scripture. One of my favorite, and that's what this method is kind of based on, is by K. Arthur Ministries, Precept Ministries. Um, those are really in-depth, great studies but that does take a lot of time. So, let's get started. How to study the Bible, this is one method, and you can use this particular method, these questions, for just about any book in the Bible. Um, let's start with preparation. First thing you need to do is choose a book. That, that, that's a sort of a starting point. Um, probably in the New Testament, maybe a letter. Start with something small. And incidentally, this can be done by yourself, but I highly recommend that you study with other people. We were not meant to live solitary lives. And, and if you read through what the, they talked about in, the, in, um, in Acts and the letters about the, the church, the early church, when they met, they not only met for fellowship and prayer, they met for study in the Word. And that study in the Word was the Old Testament plus any of the letters that might have been circulating at the time. So choose a book, either in the Old or New Testament. Begin with prayer. Always begin with prayer. Ask God to teach you as you read. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119.18. I love that verse. The next thing is probably read the entire book. Read through it. That's why you want to start with a small one. Then go back and start with the first chapter. And a question I like to ask is, what kind of literature is this? What am I reading? because what I'm reading will determine sort of how I approach it. Does that make sense? Okay, so now we've picked our book. Now we've, we've prayed about it. 
Um, now we've determined what kind of book it is, whether it's a letter or whether, and you can use that chart that I had earlier to guide you if you're not sure. And then this is, we're going to go to uh, journalism school and we're going to talk about who, what, when, where, why, and how. Remember those from school? Even if you didn't go to journalism school, I bet you learned that. So let's look at that, <clears throat> what those mean. The who. Who is speaking? Who's doing the talking? Who's writing this, if we know? Who is it about? Who are the main characters? To whom is that person speaking? And to whom is it written? We may know, we may not. You may not always be able to answer these questions. This is, just gives you kind of a guide. If you're reading one of the letters, this is really a, a little chart that's a good, good way to kind of organize your thoughts. Who is the author and who are the recipients? And with, put in, you know, like if you're reading Ephesians, it may start out with saying, you know, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, or Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So on my chart, I would write Paul and that he's a bondservant of Christ. I want to find out what about Paul? What does scripture say? Not what I think scripture says, but what does scripture say? And then put like the verse and the uh, chapter and verse, one, three, whatever. Who's the recipient? Who's he writing to? Um, so that's just kind of a quick, may not take you long to do that. Even if you only do this in your head, it still gives you a guide and you're, you're looking more deeply into scripture. Then the what? What is happening in this chapter? What's going on? What is the subject or event that's taking place? What do you learn about the people or the event or the teaching in this chapter? What's happening? I'm sorry we're having to rush through this, but we got to, I talk fast anyway. Um, when, when, when did or will these events take place? Note any references to time, things like um, the Passover. You know, the Passover was really important in the, Jewish, uh, in the Jewish religion, the Jewish faith. And so when we read that Christ was, the, the, the events of the last week of Christ's life take place during the Passover, that is really important because Christ is the Passover lamb. So it's really important that we know that. We may not always, there may not always be a reference to time, but you know, take note of that. Why? Why did this happen? Why did, you know, why did he say that? We may not know, but that's a good question to ask. I think I skipped where. I did. Where? Where, will, where did these events take place? <clears throat> Was it in Cana? Was it in Bethlehem? Was it in Judea? Was it in Babylon? Where did it take place? Note any re references to specific locations, like Babylon or Cana or whatever. How? How did this happen? How will it happen? And how is it to be done? Again, we may not always be able to answer all of those questions, but it starts us thinking. Any questions so far? I was hoping we'd have time to practice, and maybe we will, or maybe we won't. <laughs> this, to me, is really important. Using some kind of a, whether it's just a list or whatever, 
write down everything you see in that passage about God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Because since this entire book is about that Trinity, we need to note when something is said about them. And watch the pronouns, because sometimes it's hard to distinguish. Is this he referring to God the Father, or to God the Son, or to God the Holy Spirit? Sometimes you have to kind of trace it back. <laughs> Do your old, do you ever diagram sentences? Did anybody ever diagram sentences? That's the way my brain thinks. So you had you know, the subject was here, and then there was a line, and then the verb, and then, and then all of the direct objects, and all. I mean, yep, got it. Mm -hmm. They don't do that anymore. When, one year I homeschooled my kids, my fifth grade son, I made him diagram a sentence. But you know what? It helped him understand sentence construction. So, so this is kind of like a diagram, and you may have to do that with the pronouns. What, put, write down what is said, the chapter and verse that it's said in, and what does it mean? I mean, what are they really saying about God? What are they saying about Christ? What are they saying about the Holy Spirit? That's basically your study, plus a couple of other things. Number one, make a list of frequently used words and or phrases and what you learn about each one. Again, when you read the book of Philippians, what is a word that comes up again and again and again? Joy. If someone repeats a word enough times, many times, that means that word's important. Um, when you read um, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the was with God, and the was God. Okay? What's important in that sentence? Word. Word, <laughs> word is important. So note those words or phrases the Son of God, the Son of Man. Note those words and phrases because they're important. And then also look for any notes, look for and note any comparisons and contrasts in terms of conclusion. Therefore, you see this a lot in the letters and I'm sure you've heard that. If you've ever read, done a study on the, one of the epistles, have you not been asked, if you see a, the word therefore, you ask, what is it therefore? Why is it there? It's important. Um, finally, if you see that, that's an important word. You know, it's a conclusion. For this reason, any of those kinds of terms. Kind of note them and what's around them. If you see a therefore, figure out what is it there for? Why is it there? Now, you may not be able to do this in all one setting, but that's okay. Study is not quiet time. Okay, it's very different. It's not that one is necessarily better than the other, it's different. And then finally, application. Because you can be a wonderful Bible scholar, and I'll bet we all know people who could recite from you know, A to B, who have read it, they've read it in Hebrew, they know all the language, and yet when you look at their lives, there is no Jesus shining out of them. So we're not just reading scripture to learn about Jesus. We're reading scripture to learn about Jesus so that he can transform us into the people that give him the glory. So we have to apply it. 
The first thing we have to do, though, is what did you learn about God or Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit and or all of them that was either new to you or gave you a new perspective on something that you already knew? Years ago, I was studying the book of John, and it was, uh, I came to John 15, 11, and that's part of his high priestly prayer. And in it, Jesus said, um, oh gosh, I've just had a blank, senior moment. Uh, oh, he prays that, the, that his joy would be in his disciples. You know, the joy that I have, may they be in the disciples. That's a paraphrase. Do you know what struck me was the word joy? applied to Christ. I had never thought of that. Because when I was, well, most of the time when we see pictures of Jesus, because we know there is no picture of Jesus, nobody knows what he looked like. Um, is there joy? What, what does he look like? Serious. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's, that's in scripture, that's in Isaiah 53. So I never thought about Jesus having joy. What a revelation for me. Now, maybe you guys figured that out years ago. I didn't. And just reading that and looking at that, it was like, wow. If I hadn't been looking at who, what does it say about Christ, I might have missed that entirely. And that really changed my perspective on who Jesus was. There was joy. I bet he laughed. I bet he had a great sense of humor. I don't know that, scripture doesn't say that, but God invented that. He invented laughter. And if the personification of God, the embodiment of God is Jesus Christ, I bet he laughed. He probably chuckled a lot every time Peter opened his mouth and stuck his foot in it, you know? I have a son that's a lot like Peter, so I know what it's like to you want to not, don't want to laugh. Finally, what verse or verses spoke to you in what you read? Why and how can you apply it? That's it. That's the method. Do you happen to know what time we're breaking? What? So it's 11.50, so probably we're, we're winding down to quitting five minutes ago. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, 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 what I really had hoped we could do is kind of practice this. Um, I would challenge you to try it with something, a short thing. Actually, what we were going to look at was 1 John 1, because it's 10 verses long. It was short. And we were going to kind of go through that. But I think, unfortunately, we probably need to break. John, would you check and see how they're doing out there? Thank you. I appreciate that. Any questions on what we've talked about today? Does any of this make sense or look yeah. like impossible? Yeah. Yes. I would say that you do it when you can. I mean, you may not be able to. If you're, if you're retired and aren't raising children, <laughs> you might have more time. If you are not, um, it, you may just have to take it a little bit at a time, just a bit at a time. Or get, or get a group of people together and have a study together that then sort of forces you to do it. <laughs> I know it looks like a lot of work. I, I get that. And the more you do it, the five minutes, okay. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, this is also a wonderful tool 
It's called the Inductive Study Bible, and it sort of goes through every chapter, every book in the Bible, and it gives you things to specifically look for. Now, this is based on Kay Arthur, so if you know anything about Kay Arthur, get your coloring crayons out because she loves to color the Bible. Um, if you're not into coloring, that's okay. But, you know, nobody says you have to. Um, Exactly, yeah. She's got some great resources. Um, it's called the New Inductive Study Bible. This is a New American Standard section. Yeah, that's another one. Yes, yep. Um, you, you can buy, there are lots of study Bibles. Uh, John MacArthur has a study Bible. It seems like everybody publishes a study Bible with aids and things like that. One other thing that I wanted to mention, um, when you actually pick up a Bible and not the app on your phone, and I use that, I think they're wonderful, you know, being able to just pull it right out of my pocket. You know what's missing? You can't write in your Bible and highlight it. Exactly. Well, you can highlight it, but you can't write in it. You know what else? You can't write in your Oh, that's right. You can't write in the Bible. Exactly. You can't. And if you're old school like me, you want them. You know what else is missing from those apps? All of the, ver how many of you have seen Bibles or you have them, where there's text here, text here on my page, and the column down the center with all these tiny little verses. All the references, they're missing when you pull it up on your app. And that's kind of sad because in, uh, let's see, John 15, 11, Jesus says something that's kind of odd. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, the first time I read that, the English teacher, because I started out as an English teacher, the English teacher in me wanted to correct his grammar. <laughs> no, the tenses don't match, so we have an issue. Those little verses down the middle will point you to Exodus, where God appears before Moses, and when Moses says, who do I, what do I tell them sent me? God's answer is, I am. So Jesus wasn't being ungrammatical. He was referring back to God, saying, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I am God. So that's one of, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of cool when they have those little verses. Because you, if you don't know that, again, like, an idiot. I was figuring Jesus needs to clean up his grammar. Somebody must have slept through English class. Um, but that's, uh, those little verses are really great. In terms of what, the question you ask, I know it takes time. And you may be only able to do it a little bit at a time. A couple of verses, exactly. Exactly. And you don't even necessarily need to write everything. I'm a, you know, I write things like that. But if you're thinking this way, what is this saying about the people who wrote it? What is it saying about God? What is it saying about Jesus? What is it saying about the Holy Spirit? That alone is probably the most important thing because it's, it's through the scriptures that we know who God is, therefore we know we can trust him, and we know who Jesus was. And when the question is asked, who do you say that I am? Remember when Jesus asked that question? 
Um, he went with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Who is the Christ? The Messiah. The one who would come and sacrifice himself for us so that we can now have a right relationship with God because sin breaks that relationship. And without Christ to intervene, we really don't have a path to God. So that's why it's important. Yes? I was going to say, I think it's discipline because whether you get in and you do it an hour or you go for two hours or there or you do whatever, but if you can kind of tell yourself, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do 10 minutes a day mm -hmm. and I'm going to drink my coffee and look at one verse and it's not doing it a lot, it's probably not even writing anything down, it's but just it's opening the Bible exactly. and drinking your coffee and making a disciplined moment that God wants you to be there. Absolutely. But also remember, remember this, we have seasons of life. There are seasons where there is no spare time. You all, we all know that, especially if we're raising children and they haven't started school yet, or we're homeschooling. Um, you know, I have two of my three to my daughter-in-law and my, my daughter, one of my daughters-in-law and my daughter, both homeschool, have always homeschooled their children. They don't have a lot of extra time. <clears throat> there is not a lot of extra time. So how do you make it? And she says, it may only be a few minutes. But it's looking at scripture purposefully. That is the key, I think. What, I, what do I learn about God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And what am I going to do about that? So, any other questions? Any other comments? Yes. So you mentioned that you could email this to us? Yes, absolutely. Um, I tell you what, let me give you my email address, and if you want it drowned, send me an email and I'll send it to you. So, you can find me at DJ Davis, all lowercase, D as in dog, J as in jeans, Davis, at Grace, G-R-A-C-E, the number four, success.com. Uh, my husband has a business, a consulting business called Grace Strategic Services, which he named because God has given us much grace. Um, and I will help with him. So that's my email address, djdavis at grace, the number four, success.com. Just email me and then I will email it to you and anything else you need. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate this.